Welcome to the podcast. This episode is brought to you by T-Bar One Transport, the 2013 Lloydminster Business of the Year. If you're looking for any heavy haul, tank moving, pickers, these guys got it going on. They've been all over the place in the last couple weeks, all the way down or over to Bow Island, Alberta, uh, Slave Lake, south uh southwest of edmonton and uh, they know how to get things moved they know how to deal with the power the permits you name it they got it they know how to make your life easier so give the boys a call 780-205-1709 tell them sean sent you and they'll get you hooked up this episode is also brought to you by factory sports with the dusty man tournament heating up this weekend i know there's going to be guys looking to get skate sharpened New twigs, gloves, helmet, you name it. Go in and see these guys. They got it going on. They have totally revamped the store since summertime. They've moved everything around. They got their huge stick selection that will blow your brain. And uh, great service, too. Go in and see Mr. Holt or Mr. Mullet along with the rest of their staff, and uh, they'll get you hooked up with uh, XYZ because they got it all there. They got just an amazing selection of sticks right now and uh, I go a little goo goo gaga for that stuff Vic Juba Theater seats 550 people it is fully licensed meaning you can get a beverage and uh, they got Natalie McMaster this week October 17th two time Juno award winner on October 20th they got Sloan in and uh, tickets are still for sale 780-872-7400 is the box office or go to vicjubatheater.ca and you can get them from there you will not be disappointed that is a beautiful theater here in town on Lakeland College campus finally the episode is also brought to you by Fountain Tire Kent Staniforth and team have a deal going on over there you can save up to 25% on select Goodyear tires uh, until October 26th, plus get 10% off a wheel alignment with the purchase of four tires. Head on over and ask for some details, and uh, they'll get you hooked up. All right, guys, this week on the podcast, I have Tyler Wyman, former draft pick of the Colorado Avalanche. He just finished winning, winning an Allen Cup with the Lacombe Generals. He is a crazy good goaltender, had a ton of fun sitting down with them uh, And uh, without further ado, enjoy. Okay, well, welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Uh, I'm sitting across from Tyler Wyman. Thank you for uh, coming on. uh, Thanks for having me. I appreciate you being excited about this. I'm excited about this. Same here. Yeah. So we were just talking about the Melville-Yorkton game. That just happened. It's blown up all over Twitter. The goalie gets destroyed. Uh, about what top of the circles coming out to play a puck. Come guy up. runs through him. Yeah. Total dick move by the guy. Don't know what he was thinking. To be just blatantly honest, right? Like, I mean, it's interesting to watch on repeat because it's hard to take away or like look away from it. But I thought, ah, oh, perfect. Get to interview a goalie. <laughs> Like, have you ever been even remotely close to run over that hard or anything like that? No, no, it's never happened to me. Uh, just going wide, obviously, taking it to the, to the net and lowering your shoulder. 
but nothing like that. No, a friend of mine usually, well, he, he sends me clips all the time of activities and, uh, and that's the one he sent me the other day. And when I first saw it, it was, yeah, I thought, uh, you know, the average fan, they, they love it. They love the excitement in it. Players are like, yeah, I would have did the same, but then others are, you know, a little on the fence that it's dirty. And my point of view, it's, it's pretty freaking dirty. It's a dirty. He's going out. He played the puck, and um, the player knew what he was doing. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can see it blatantly, right? Like he doesn't, he doesn't like trying for the puck, and it's a close call, and he runs in, and you know, and kind of like accidental, but not that. Like you can see him lower his body and pop right into his chest and just explode him. Now, there's probably more to the story too. With okay, true. Is he an overage? How how old is the tendy? How old is the player? Uh, what's the reputation of the player? So there's a lot of storyline just based on on that as well. How can Not I tell you played some decent hockey and you probably had reports written that were wrong because they didn't know the full so story? So there's yeah, there's more to it that way. So he, again, what kind of role player is that guy? Is he familiar with? Are you speaking of something in making particular? hits? No, not at all. But I'm trying to see it on both sides, and that's kind of how I see it <laughs> nowadays. But it it is a dirty play. Um, you know, you try to analyze it that if if that was the case, would you play the puck and then throw your elbows up and let him eat one? Um, that's probably what I would do if I knew it was a certain player and he was dirty. Oh, yeah, I'd give it right back. But, again, I think that comes with experience, what kind of player you are, how competitive you are, um, and everybody has a different point of view on it. So I thought it was, yeah, definitely dirty, uh, justified the suspension, but um, give his teammate credit for jumping in right away. Oh, yeah. And uh, and hopefully the kid's okay. Yeah, I'd heard he had a concussion and possible bleeding, but I don't know if that report was correct or not. I should have looked at it a little deeper before I came on with you. I just the video over and over again it would transfix me. And then I'd read a couple Twitter things that said he had been concussed and went to hospital. And went yeah. to hospital. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully he's okay. And um, yeah, I didn't read too much more into it for for outside the lines from just the video. Yeah, but. well, the guy who hits him gets 25 games, right? Yeah. Which is, in my mind, it's justifiable. I mean, you can't have that going on, right? you got to protect your goalies. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Uh, <laughs> you were speaking of uh, players you might want to stick an elbow into. Was there ever a guy back in the day that you're just like, if he comes close to me, and I always think of, I always think of Sean Avery and Marty Broder, right? I don't know what Broder was thinking when – Avery was doing his antics in front of him there when he was playing for the Rangers at the end. But you ever have a guy that just kind of like, that guy comes near me, he's going to get it? Yeah. Yeah, obviously. You've, you've thought about it on multiple occasions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there, there's guys that, again, going back to you're taught to lower your shoulder, take it to the net. Um, if somebody takes you down, kind of run the goalie. Th- people think that's a hockey play. Um, my point of view is going to be different and a lot of other goalies are going to be different. So some of it, we see it as dirty. Um, even in the net, you try to, some guy tries to do your butt end of the stick to lift it up, uh, for screens. Um, the guys you didn't like that ran you, there was always a way to get them because guys would wear visors and their visors would come depending on, you know, how big their schnoz was and, and, (laughs) and lips and everything and how like they like to, to chirp and talk, but it would come low enough that when you were battling or they ran you that you could jab their visors right down into their mouth and kind of cut them, whether it's on their nose and that. And yeah, obviously they didn't like that at all. So there's always different ways, whether you want to stick them in the groin when they're in front of screening. So 
there's always different uh, different options that goalies have as well. Um, I don't recommend that, but I'm just saying there was uh, there's individuals um, that you'd like to do it too because they obviously picked and and chose when they wanted to run you I and still at their own will. A name? You're not going to throw out a name? I no, I don't. <laughs> I don't have really any names. No, no, not really. That off the top of my head. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Well, first off, cheers, I Cheers, buddy. Cheers. I'm uh, I'm excited for this. We're uh, we're having a little uh, Game of Thrones scotch, and it's pretty tasty. Got it from a coworker. Yeah. Thank you, Scott. Yeah, that's uh, it, it. Is uh, it's a good bottle, Cracker tonight. So, um, let's go back. I always start with all the way back. I want to know how you got your start, where you started, I, where where did you start playing your hockey? Because it wasn't in Lloyd Minster. No, I grew up uh, in Bruno, Saskatchewan. Bruno, Saskatchewan. Um, okay. So that's what I, I would say my hometown is. I was born in Saskatoon. Uh, Bruno, Saskatchewan is about an hour east of, of Saskatoon, close to Humboldt, uh, for those that, that don't know. 500 people, roughly, for population. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, small town, uh, country living, and uh, I loved it. So. Were you always a goaltender? No. No, I was always majority as a player to be honest with you yeah I turned goalie not till maybe my 10 11 years 10 11 yeah that's close to peewee that is peewee that was so maybe my second year Adam would have been I was still switching off for first year peewee um I played in Humboldt uh that was the first you know trying to get to a higher level and I played Humboldt for in Humboldt for the full year uh so that was my first year peewee Yep. Do you remember why you decided to go as a goaltender? Like, if you up until that point you've been playing out. Yeah, you're you're out, well in a small town. You're there's always you're always one of the top players. Um, you could go through guys. I was I was bigger than kids at the time. Uh, one of those where you could go off the draw and go through their legs and then just shelf it top corner on the tendy, and it was <laughs> it was easy. Uh, when you played with older kids, you their competition level it, it increased your. Um, compete level as well uh, but I think it stems back from road hockey with friends and family uh, you just like frustrating them um, gear paint jobs masks kind of designing as kind of artistic at the time for for coloring and tracing and and trying to do that so um, and then just yeah watching the game and kind of fell in love with it yeah were you a national when you started playing? Like when you went full time goaltender, were you like, "Oh yeah, I'm good at this," or did it take some work? Uh, no, I'd say again, coming from a small town, yeah, um, you always the level of hockey compared to maybe obviously Edmonton or Lloydminster. Um, there's always those kids that are above and beyond. So that was me in the small town. Um, now in order to do that, you'd have to get to the next level and then compete against higher, high caliber kids, which that's why I went to Humboldt the following year. Um, but yeah, I was always, uh, always good for my age, uh, always above average. Um, I, I matured and, um, hit puberty at an early age compared to everybody else. Uh, so I think that helped as well playing with the older kids and and uh and excelling in that matter and then I always had older cousins that uh that I played with too for whether it was street hockey whether it was on the ice and um I come from a big family so it's uh yeah it's easy to to 
to get together with with everybody and them to to push you and and you push them. Do you remember what you did in the off seasons? Did you play hockey year round or I, I mean, you're what thirty five now? Yep. So you're a couple of years older than me. So I assume you're like me in the fact that unless you were in a big city like an Edmonton or Saskatoon, there was no hockey year round. I assume. No, there was, uh, it was always baseball in the summer. Oh, you're a baseball guy. Hockey in the winter, baseball in the summer, and that's how it was. Yeah, we had competitive. So if you could go back and hockey wasn't an option and you could play any sport, would baseball have been it? Absolutely. What position? Uh, Pitcher and shortstop. Pitcher, shortstop, eh? Yeah. Throw the old 90-mile-an-hour meatball? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) No, we had six, again, a small town. it's, it's It's a sports town. Bruno, it was, it was the best place for me to grow up, and I still think it's it's the, the best for a lot of kids. Um, I was exposed to to, to sports, and, um, and and we won there. Obviously winning, and you're with your friends, and yeah. you know everybody. They know you. Uh, there's there's really nothing to worry about. You can, you know, ride your bike and get there uh, across the tracks, or, you know, we can go golfing. We can do this. It was... Um, yeah, go to the farm on. It was uh, yeah, it was really enjoyable. So, what age do you move to Lloydminster then? It would have been grade eight was my first year in Lloyd, so I was thirteen, I believe. Which would be first year band? That would have been. It would have been sorry. Second year Pee Wee was my first year in Lloyd. Yeah. Yeah. So twelve, twelve, thirteen. It would have been. Yeah. I was curious. Um, so when you came to Lloyd, you would have been playing double A then, right? That's right. Yeah, Lloyd only had double A at that time. And you went in the Bantam draft, correct? Yes. Playing double A? Yeah. Yeah, so he, I was... So I, here, here's the question I ask everybody. Is Do you remember even following the Bantam draft, or did you just get a call and say, hey, you've been selected? I was... Yeah, I got a call. Um, if I recall how it worked, uh, you don't really pay attention Obviously, being a Western um, kid, you knew that was the route you wanted to go um, and, and how things worked, um, but you didn't pay too much attention. You weren't sitting in class like kids today on their phone waiting to see if they're getting selected. No. Right? Dwayne Paralette, who is, well, he'd be, you're 35, I think he's about 38, so he would have been a few years older than you, three, four years older than you, remembers hearing, seeing it in the paper. He got a, got a paper and his name was in it, but he had no idea. Right? Yeah, I got. I think I got a call from from somebody in the Tri City organization saying I've been, you know, we've we've chosen you in the Bantam draft, and obviously so, you're excited. So, so, yeah. so what did you do? You're <laughs> just like hmm, going to get a Slurpee. <laughs> no, I I don't even remember to to be honest. Yeah, it was uh, it was just it was the next step. You knew, you know, you you hadn't made it. You haven't really accomplished anything yet. Yeah. They just you, they just have your rights. Um, it's, it's a big deal. You're a 15 year old kid and you're going to be playing against, you know, 16 to 20 year olds. And you got a lot, uh, a lot of improving to do. You think of it as, as it's a huge step, uh, not only maturity, you're moving away from home. It's in the U S it's a different country. Um, as a goal, you don't know when you're going to get it the chance. You're looking who they have in the system at that time. Um, you're, who did they have in the system at that time? It was actually another Lloyd, uh, it was Blake. Blake Ward, uh, who was uh, was the goalie there. 
So, um, which, uh, which Blake, Blake helped out uh, as well. And it was made me a little more comfortable going there knowing, you know, he was from Lloyd and, um, and what, what to expect, but, uh, you're still, uh, you're still nervous, obviously a young kid and you don't know what, what to expect. Up until this point, I'm curious, I was talking a little bit about this before we got on here. Does a coach really know what to do with you? Like, I, I think back in my minor hockey years, I had a couple of coaches that were just fantastic at, like, doing drills and kind of teaching you mindsets and whatever, and they'd been players, and they kind of – but were you ever – did you ever have a coach up until that point? Or, I don't even know, maybe you could say when your first coach was that just got goalies and knew what to teach you, or if it was a goalie coach that you had to finally wait for and he just started throwing things at you, and you're like, oh, this is awesome. No, not really. I think it was at at that age, it was more your your athletic ability, um, and it came from just as it is today. It's what's between your ears, um, how mentally strong you are. Uh, do you battle on pucks, um, and and do you have the will to win? And that's kind of how it was. However, you stopped it, it didn't matter. There wasn't really any structure involved. Um, all the all the praise was pretty much going out east and, and obviously Quebec of how they were developing the goalies and that was, those were the best in Canada um, but yeah growing up I how'd that make you feel if you obviously uh, if you're talking about it you kind of clued into that message yeah it didn't it didn't really affect me until I got in maybe my second or second year maybe in the dub and then you start to hear it more and then obviously get invited to Team Canada camps and, and that's when uh, they really dwelled on that a lot more but uh, it's a lot, a lot of politics, like anything. Um, as as you see, whoever the head coach is for a lot of a lot of World Juniors these days is it a Western Hockey League coach. Well, he's going to have a lot of Western Hockey League guys. Yeah, he's familiar we're talking with, about familiarity. He he's familiar with them. He knows their roles. Um, he's comfortable um, and and can put them in those roles to succeed and and be successful for for what he needs in in a short t- tournament. So I think that stems from whoever, whether it's an old coach, whether it's a Q coach. Um, but uh, I think they've done a better job in, in recent years of, of incorporating who the best players are. Uh, they, they're so well advanced now from, from when I played to, to goalie coaches, to videos. To everything. To everything, to personal trainers, to nutritionists. It's, it's on another level. I just yeah. went and watched the Lloyd Mr. Bobcats play their home opener this past week. Now, when people hear this, this will be a month past. But uh, I was talking to the two guys. They used to do the games on the radio, right? Play-by-play on the radio. Heck, that's what I helped do. I did color commentating for uh, part of a season, which is a hell of a lot of fun. Anyways, so I'm getting talking to them. I'm like, oh, you guys on the radio? And they're like, oh, no, we don't do the radio. I'm like, oh. What are you doing, right? There's like two play-by-play guys. Oh, we got this uh, online TV, and we commentate on it. And I was like, oh. And they're like, and actually, and they pull it up. And I mean, it is like, it looks like TSN HD. Like, it, it, that good of quality. I'm like, wow. Like, this is this is really good quality. Like, oh, yeah, they mandated that it be HD now, too. So, like, everything is, like, crystal clear. Nice. And that's Lloyd, right? Like, I mean... No knock on Lloyd. Lloyd's listening to this. But, I mean, that wasn't something you had two years ago, let alone 15 years ago. No, right? and I, I think that stems from, 
you know, just you can reach out to any audience, uh, whether you're, you know, family, friends, well, that's grandparents or anything are, are watching or are listening. Um, they're able to keep track and, and, and show their support and, and monitor your progress. And um, it's so easily accessible these days. It's, it's, it's nice to see. And I, I always think to the business side of hockey, right? If you're a scout and you're sitting over in wherever, you can tune into any AJ game you want and catch it in HD and you can just watch and you can see everything and you don't have to, you know, be physically there. That opens up that league to the entire world, essentially. All players now are on a national stage to get watched from anybody anywhere at any time. Yeah. Which no, is crazy when you think about that. Yeah, with, with scouts, as, as you say, it's uh, it's easy for them to put their progress reports together. And um, as you've seen, obviously, in most recent years too, is is more guys are getting drafted out of the AJHL than, yeah, than ever cool. before. So yeah, which is guys really are, cool. are picking their path, wanting to go the college road and, and thinking what's the best scenario for me, knowing that I can still, you know, be at home or um, choose the route I want to be and still have a chance at uh, a higher pro or, or go to Europe or you, whatever uh, my path is. Did you ever think of uh, ever think of that? I mean, you get drafted by Tri-Cities. Do you ever think... Maybe I should do junior A, or not, does that even cross your mind? It it didn't even cross my mind. It was an is an easy decision. Um, I know this is another issue, but uh, the 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 lawsuits that have come because of you know the minimum wage and and that from yeah. past players, which I I think that's kind of a joke in itself. Um, when you sign up to play in the WHL, it's a it's a privilege and a right that you're every year you've play there you're going to get a college one year of college paid for correct so that's the chance you're taking um you're given free equipment you're giving free housing um you're given an education and they're and they're taking you in a part of your own family for billets um so um whether it doesn't pan out you don't get drafted you don't sign a contract well at least you have your schooling still to fall back on so that's the chance you take and and you know that going in and there's like anything you know the risks you sign on for it um so there's no excuses um and there's no reason why you should have and want hand-me-notes after it's all said and done that's my opinion on it the only thing that i could maybe when i don't know it well enough you've been through that system so i'm talking to what i would consider an expert in the field because you've gone through it the only thing uh, that comes to mind is for a 16-year-old kid to make that decision, does he know what he's actually doing, right? They're a young kid to make a, well, a big decision like that. Although, in saying that, kids are making pretty big decisions at that age. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, if they're well-informed and you give them the option and they understand it, they got to, I can get why you're, why you say what you say? Most of the time, it's not the, the kid making the decision. It's the parents. It's the supporting cause. Um, does he or she have an agent? Um, did you yeah. have an agent at 16? I, I did, yes. Did you? Yeah. And what what did an agent help at 16? Yeah, because I'm... Uh, it, was, it was after. So as soon as the Bantam draft happened, and I was that's yeah. when... Um, I started talking, and it was brought to my attention that maybe you start talking to some agents and um first it was just to put you in contact with 
what you need to do to be successful to get to the next step. Yeah. Um, one one thing Lloyd has now, and and they've done a great job, is is the trainers there. There's accessibility to to have personal trainers, to have those um, summer on ice sessions. Um, those weren't uh, available when I was there. Yeah. So what I had was a trainer, or a, sorry, my my agent was from Saskatoon, and he would fly a guy in from Calgary, and all of us, whether it was rural Saskatchewan, yeah. we'd all go to Calgary or to Saskatoon. He'd put together a program and then we'd go on our separate ways and do that once a month in the summertime. Now it, it's on you for your progress and to monitor that. And as a 16 year old kid, yeah, you say you're going to do it, <laughs> but <laughs> I, again, you, sometimes you, you need a foot in the ass. Yeah. You're, you're training. You're probably not eating right. You're trying to get everything down. So it just, it's a whole new level these days and they're so the well prepared. Is like, everything we talk about it we can talk this over 20 times the difference that probably 10 years has made is unthinkable right like nutrition training just drills thought process everything everything is just ramped up so much it's unbelievable it is it's unbelievable it's 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 nice to see but also at the same time it it creates everybody's on that same page so it creates the competitive level even higher there's a lot more expectations there's a lot more pressure yeah um social media is a huge social huge influence beast. so that's even uh that's another avenue but um yeah it's uh it's it's come Are a long way you happy way. that social media wasn't around when you were growing up the way it is now or do you wish you wish it was kind of there don't you no, I, I, I like how it was. Yeah. I think a lot of people get absorbed in it and can get in trouble, especially at a young age. Yeah. Um, uh, at definitely at a young age. You can use it for your advantage and, and some might have too big of a mouth and whether you're, whatever, you're tweeting the wrong thing or you just overanalyze, I think, personalities and what they're thinking or how they dress or who knows. It's just, there's no black and white area sometimes. It's... They just analyzed. So Lucic gets traded out to Calgary this year, right? And he's getting interviewed by the Calgary media. And he gets asked something about captaincy. And I wish I had the quote here to pull it right in front of me. But that quote, they talk about him bashing Connor in it. Although he never talks about Connor. He talks about the Calgary having a more mature captain. No. Could you... That, that little quote right there gets analyzed for the next, like, month and a half to the point as a fan, you're like, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Just leave it alone. Summer, summertime. It's a slow news day. They need something to talk about. Oh, man. And living in Edmonton, I see it every day. I see now that I'm back here, well, full-time for the last couple of years, how toxic it can be for a player playing here and living here and how... Again, the average hockey fan thinks they're a GM. They think they're the head coach. They think they know what's going on. I am a GM, all right? So, fantasy? Yeah, absolutely. How you doing? Uh, not very good. <laughs> not very good at all. So, it's funny to see that. Um, I'm not saying I'm an expert by any means, but it's just knowing that inside track of, of again, I'm not supporting Lucha, but uh, I know what he was trying to say. You're not going to go to a team and and speak highly you're going to be excited i'm, I'm looking forward to the season Absolutely. it's the generic answers everybody says and you you'll see it this year in the season 
And you'll be like, oh, I've heard this a million times. And the guys that have a personality to speak up and have the balls to do it, it's like, oh, geez, he's not humble. He's not a hockey player. It's like, <laughs> what do you want? It's like, do you want a guy that's outspoken and, and can speak his mind? And it's like, oh, he's a beauty for seeing that. And the other guy's like, oh, he's got to shut his mouth. So again, guys get paid to talk, whether you're watching TSN, Sportsnet, um, they want to ruffle the feathers, but it's just funny knowing what's going on and playing those mind games and, and what the media does, for example. And I know we get tired of it hearing the Leafs, uh, sorry, Leafs fans, but um, yeah, just, just TSN with the whole Marner situation and it gets, uh, it gets over, overblown and um, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's nice to know what's going on. <laughs> oh, absolutely. No. Here's a question for you. You've played in places like San Diego. You've played in places like, well, you played for the Moose, right? Yep. So that would have been Winnipeg, correct? That's correct. Which is a tra- traditional hockey market. Would you, where would be your favorite place? If you could go back tomorrow, just flick a wand. And it doesn't have to be that you, well, I mean, you're probably going to go somewhere where you won because you're going to have fond memories. But if you could pick, any place to go play in your career? Because how many years did you play pro now? 14 years. 14 years. So over your 14-year span, what was the best place to play? Oh, that's a loaded question. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm full of loaded questions. Uh, it, it Again, everyone, and I'm not just saying it's every place has its positives. I know. Nobody from Timbuktu uh, is going to listen to this. We're talking. No. It's, if, if Tyler Wyman could go. Flick a switch. Are, are we are we talking to my single? Or are we talking about married with kids? That completely changes Ooh. the aspect on things. So that's why I throw okay, it right well, back. So we're okay. If we're, if you're, you're single. You're, you're single. If guy. you're single, San Diego was a good time. So that's yeah. In <laughs> and married life, obviously with kids, Europe was was great. So it's uh, it's was, two different what, what avenues. Was, what was so great about Europe having kids? It was just laid back, the freedom, uh, less games, less travel. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, two two week breaks in the seasons. Everything's paid for. Um, it was yeah. When you can take the family or or go anywhere for a hundred bucks flight. Yeah. Where do you want to yeah, go? Where do you so want to go for the close, weekend? Right? Oh, we'll just go to Paris. Where do you want to go? We'll go to Rome. Like it's just it's so accessible. Yeah. Um, and and you're comfortable. You're with guys that you're familiar with. It's not like you're can't speak the language because there's enough Canadians and Americans that. Um, you kind of help each other out if you do have those, those issues at the start, but it was, it was never a problem for me. So, yeah. Hmm. Let's go to Tri-Cities. Let's go back. Let's, let's rewind here. Okay. You're on your way to Tri-Cities for the first training camp. Walk me through that and tell me about your first training camp with Tri-Cities. Well, Tri-Cities in general, we had, um, I had five coaches in four years, four different GMs in four years, and four different owners in four years that I was there. So right there, it kind of... I need you to say <laughs> that one more time because that was a whole lot of holy. Five coaches five in the four coach years I was there. In four years. Four different GMs. Four different so GMs. So a GM every single year and, a G- and an owner every single year. New ownership group. Holy man. Yeah, and there was myself and a, and a buddy of mine, uh, Dylan Stanley, who were the only guys that have stayed there. I was there for four, my 16 to 19-year-old, and he played his full five years. 
and you're the only two over that entire span that stuck it out. Yeah. Or didn't get whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. It started, I believe, well, Don Hay was the first coach when I was when I was 15 and, and going to camp. For your first question, uh, you're you're nervous. You're coming into obviously a different country. Um, you're more big lights, obviously a bigger rink. Guys are men. I'm a scrawny little kid trying to stop a puck here, and uh, and it's you're just trying to work hard. You're trying to to show them that you know it's you're going to do whatever it takes to to try to get to that level. Um, I mean, you're going to listen. You're going to be a fly on the wall, uh, whether it's with the with the training staff, the coaches. Um, what was the going from Bantam hockey to now you're suiting up for the Tri City Americans? Like, what was the? I mean, there's probably 50 million things that change, but what in your mind was like? Obviously, guys are older, bigger, faster. The skill levels out the wazoo. What's something the common person just doesn't even think of when you're just like, oh, man, this is freaking unreal? You get overwhelmed with the guys that have got drafted and who you're up against and, and almost mesmerized by so them. who was the guy when you were playing back then? You get put in your game and all of a sudden X is coming down on you or maybe standing in front of you. Who was, who was some of the guys that you were playing with? There was, well, Seattle, yeah, Jamie Lundmark, um, Marcel Hosa. Dabinsky, McLeod, oh, yeah. um, Braden Coburn, those guys are all in our, our U.S. division. Yeah, um, and which you'd see a ton then. We'd see a ton, yeah. Yeah, Spokane. I've always heard, I'm bouncing a little bit here, but I've always heard the American fans at those ranks are unbelievable. All the guy, young guys talk about it right now. Were your fans in Tri-City just nuts? They were, yeah, they were, they were great, yeah. Um, I think they were frustrated with the whole turmoil within of, of hearing the same old story well this is how it's going to change this is what we're going to do different um and as a player you can't control that no uh you're just trying to do what you do right you're trying to to listen because they're they're in charge they're the coaches um and luckily i was i've you know got a good upbringing with with family and friends to to keep me grounded to to work hard first and not trying to to get a big head, but I'd be lying to say I, I didn't at a young age when I got the starting job as a 16 year old, you have, you have everything at your, at your fingertips and there, you know, you're doing reports and, and that's why I say social media again, that good thing, because there's articles coming out that, you know, you're going to be a high draft pick or, or this and that. And, and then obviously that wasn't the case, but it, uh, it's, um, there's there's just yeah it's a different avenue for for going to the next level um and not saying it was was easy or difficult but you try to manage with again who who you surround yourself with um the kind of people that keep pushing you and ultimately you have to find it within of, of what's important um and and trying to stay on track and not trying to have those side distractions as as to hinder you from from moving forward What was it like getting a starting job at 16? I didn't expect to make the team when I was 16. I didn't. I remember thinking, okay, this is what I'm going to come back to. I'm going to start school here. I'm going to do this. It's, And then when, you know, things are going well, um, they're seeing your progress. They're saying, okay, well, you're, yeah, you're going to, you're going to stay. 
and you're trying to, again, be a fly on the wall, learn as much as possible, and you're, you're thrown into the action, you're not thinking too much again. You're just enjoying <laughs> the moment um, and, and trying to do your job, but also manage school. Um, over Tri-Cities, I had three different billets over my four years there, and those were experience in, in itself. How so? Uh, the first ones were... They were, they were Mormon, so that was the first time I was introduced to, you know, that and, and their family stayed in and just, again, when you come to a family that you're not familiar with the way they do things and um, there's consuming certain fluids, uh, pop, for instance, uh, they thought uh, the world was going to end, uh, so that was the Y2K year, so we had stockpiled things in the basement and um, Tri-Cities is, is a hot climate for um, rattlesnakes and black widows so they wouldn't they don't kill anything so there'd be just say a spider and they'd put a glass over top of it with a paper underneath and free it outside so they don't believe in any killing um, kids I had bunk beds that year with Daryl May so we had three guys stay there there's uh, the older guy uh, I had bunk beds shared with another 16 year old and we couldn't watch the Simpsons. We couldn't do this because it would hinder their children for different TV How programming. How that? It, it, I mean, I mean, it was, but it's not like oh, a boohoo sort of thing. It's uh, it made you stronger in a way. Like there's, again, I didn't come from a, a, a silver spoon or anything. So I, I'm coming from a small town. I'm yeah. trying to earn everything I I get. Um, I shouldn't say tough. I don't. It mean was. It tough. Uh, I mean like culture shock that way right like yeah so that again that there's one belt the other one i never never got fed so what do you mean you never got fed i never got fed so she was again billets were never really around uh they were busy at work and then certain things happened within their their family where uh divorces and and whatnot were going on so we had a sponsor which was carl's juniors uh for tri-cities and um i'd always get a stack of coupons from from the rink and that was my meals most of the year. That was my 17-year-old year with Carl Jr.'s. I don't know how many burgers I had that year, but I still couldn't put on weight. I was just, again, a scrawny little kid. And um, you're playing a lot of games, so you're trying. I never knew how to keep it on. I never knew how to take care of my body. Um, I never had that mentor that I could confide in and uh, and learn from that way. So you try to, you think you know what you're doing or doing on your own, but uh, ultimately, yeah, nobody was going to help you at that time and, unless you, you did it and did stuff yourself. So I had to do what I had to do in order to obviously... <laughs> so Carl's Jr. became the place. <laughs> it, it was, yeah. That was that was the call for everything. Yeah. Pardon the interruption, folks. Here's your IHD Innovative Question of the Week. Who currently holds the most wins all time for a goaltender in the NHL. You got the answer to that? Shoot me an email, Podcast at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just reach out to me, get me the answer, and you're entered into a draw for a Visa gift card. Mystery amount. Yeah, we're not going to give you how much it is. We'll let your mind do the work there. All right? You won't be disappointed. Now, back to the show. You know... Usually I have guys give a shout-out to their billets because I'm a guy who played three years, lived with the same family for three years. They were phenomenal, the Lane family. 
Shout out to the Lane family. They were awesome. And most guys have really, really good experience with their billets. I, I do. In my last billet, um, Bob and Linda Russell. Okay. So shout out to Bob and Linda. Um, I was their last player they ended up having uh, there. I've, you know, coming from the other two and, and those are just a few stories I, I told. But again, I, I thought it made me stronger. Um, and then going to theirs was like a gold mine. Um, they had everything where you lay and open up the fridge and whether you had yogurts all in a line, uh, milkshakes all in a line, like you name it, sandwiches all in a line. Like they had everything. Um, and uh, they were more than accommodating um, on, on so many instances from, I can't even, I can't be again to explain, but it's, uh, it's a relationship I still have to this day, uh, with them, keep yeah. in touch with them frequently. Uh, not only them, their, their kids. Um, and I, and I wish well, you to, become a to part of their there. family, right? Yeah. Yeah. The, she decorates for all the holidays, so over the top from St. Patrick's Day, <laughs> Valentine's Day, Christmas, like just decked right out. Yeah. I was reading uh, Brian Kilray's book. I was kind of telling you about that. Mm-hmm. And he talks about disciplining guys in Ottawa. He's coaching Ottawa at 67s for the longest time. And I was curious, in your four-year stint in Tri-Cities, I have to assume you slipped up once or twice or had teammates and there must have been punishments for that or something along that lines. And I see a giggling over there. You got to have a story or two from that. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. It's You're playing in the U.S., so it's a lot different than Canada. Um, I couldn't imagine how it would have been knowing, just say, Alberta, for instance, the, the drinking age is 18. Okay, yeah. Um, those are some things we never had to worry about um, in the U.S. because it was 21. 21, yeah. Um, be lying to say we didn't do it but it was more house parties so it was, it's not like we're going to the casino or the bars or, or anything like that so um there's a obviously instances that guys would have to pay and um, houses that got a little vandalized and, and trash whether it's guys that chewed and putting chew in the in the fish tank and the next day and the fisher died and um guys stupid things in the shower and in their shampoo and conditioner bottles and just guys that I played with that had DUIs and, and got out of the country. And it just, yeah, you've, again, me and another guy were the only guys were there that long. So we traded for a lot of misfits that came to Tri-Cities. Um, we traded a lot of our top scores for toughness at times, depending who the GM was. Um, and and you picked up pretty soon of who you think you should hang out with yeah and who's going to bring you up and who's going to bring you down so i i kind of learned at a young age of of being selective of your with your friends and and who you can count on because even though you're teammates um and you have to rely on each other you can't because you're going to always have okay come with me there's always going to be temptations there's always going to be people pulling you in one direction but um so where did that come is that your parents' upbringing of you? I'm. Uh, is a, we're going down a deep rabbit hole here because that's that's a. I'm really curious with young kids. One of the things that always scares the living crap out of me is when they get older, with, you know, alcohol, drugs, you name it, right? Mm-hmm. 
So where does something like that maturity, understanding that at a young age, come from? I don't know. Maybe it's just seeing it, saying, I don't want to be that guy. Um, knowing that you have a future and in order to get to where you want to be in that path, that these are the steps I need to take. Um, my path isn't going to be like his over there and I don't want it to be. Um, and again, surround yourself with the right people. Um, it's, it's not always easy because you're going to have your closest friends sometimes going in that direction. But again, it's, it's okay to say no. So it's, it's, it's easy to say now, huh. but it, where, wherever I played at a young age, it was always there. Whether, yeah, it started in try, obviously Colorado, San Diego, there was always those, everything, Situations, everything's people. accessible to you. Yeah. Everything is, especially at a young age, especially when everything's almost given to you or handed to you. And, um, you can either have a great year or pick, do you want a great year and have a great time? Or do you want a great career? And that's kind of the two things that you have to assess. There's a difference between having fun and picking your spots and being smart than, than just doing it to, to impress other people and, and just making sure it's the right call. Yeah, I would agree. So I agree. I just, I think as a young guy seeing that, that's pretty impressive because a lot of people aren't like that. Majority of people aren't like that, I would say. But again, I think seeing those people that you, or those teammates or staff or anything that you didn't want to be like, yeah, like I don't want to go down that path or, okay. No, and I get that. I think that's what I was able to see at an early age. Like, you know what? He's not what I thought he was, or this is not the path I want to go on. And, and yeah. Let's talk road trips. Because in the WHL, you have a lot of road trips. What was the worst, like, what was the road trip either you, you had the fondest memories of, and you're like, oh, I can't wait to go on this one. This is going to be awesome. Or you're like, man, this road trip sucks. We're gone for like two and a half, three weeks. Yeah, it'd be, they did it different. We, uh, we only went once to, uh, once to Brandon. Brandon would have been a brutal one. Uh, I think yeah, that's like, like 22 hours or something like that. Um, and, and you, yeah, you're with guys sleeping <laughs> on the seats, sleeping on the floor, doing whatever you can, doing whatever yeah. you can to, to sleep. And we've had, well, we had laptops and, and DVD players at that time and, and cruise through a number of movies, but, uh, yeah, nothing like, like now with, with that, but, uh, yeah, cards. Um, what was your card game of choice? We played Parker, Schnarps, Pass the Ace. Yeah, those just to keep everybody involved. Yeah. God, I miss cards on the so, bus. Same, cards yeah. on the bus was it, the best. Yeah. It just uh yeah, you don't see that too much anymore. I gotta play a good game of poker cards. Well, I don't know. When was the last time you played a game of cards? It's been a while. And I the boys talk about it. Right? I had a bunch of young guys on the podcast through the summer. They talk they play a little bit of cards, but I mean now you can play cards on your phone. What what evolved over the years when we we always had the the PSPs after, um, which PlayStation Portables and um, and guys got the same game, so guys would get those instead of of interacting Acting. with each other, yeah, yeah. and we'd still play poker, but we weren't interacting with one another, and we we're still you know beacon back and forth and chirping and 
and now that, you're staring at a screen. But now you're staring at a screen, so I can't see you face to face. Are you bluffing? Are you bullshitting me? Or, or not? It's a really, so it's a really it, strange. It, it, it changed that way. That was again. That's probably mid pro that that happened. Yeah, it's, it's a really strange thing. Well, you see it every day now, right? We go out for a drink. Me and you went out for a drink with two colleagues. Within ten minutes, everybody's pulled their phone out, and even even if I'm not trying to. You'll look up and there'll be four of you on your phone or there'll be three of them on your phone and be like, well, hell, maybe I should just get on my phone too, right? Like, it's hard to have a conversation for a long period of time without checking that damn thing. Yeah, you're right. Right? And it's getting worse. It ain't getting better. Yeah. But I, I think guys have fun with it too. You can, oh, yeah. Um, it's it's enjoyable. I, You know, you have the Snapchat, you have the Instagram, you have the Twitter. <laughs> so, um, again, in all, in, all, in all fun and games and, again, being selective, these days because everything can be used against you um whether you do it at a young age to and it's taken and used five years down the road for you so i hate to bring up trudeau because i'm sure (laughs) i'm just gonna boil everyone's blood but the thing that came out today was back in 2001 so that is 18 years ago he dressed up for uh some sort of party and had a turban on and painted himself brown and the world is losing its crap right now. Obviously, it's poor decision, right? I think we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. Poor decision. No, I agree. It was also 18 years ago. Yeah. And he was a kid. And I'm not one to stand up for Trudeau because I, I tell you what, there's a lot of things I do not like about the man. But social or media just in general right now is just bizarre. Yeah. No, I, I saw that today too, and I, I chuckled because I thought they'd eat it up. And I thought it was beneficial too, because obviously I'm voting conservative. So, well, <laughs> I'm and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not a big political guy either. But we live in Alberta here. We know what we all need. Well, um, and, and Trudeau, so we know the way yeah. he's handled things. So that's right. That's really all I have to say on that matter. And um, anything to to burn him under the bridge. Let's let's, let's keep just pound keep it piling on. it up. Yeah, he's got a pier going right now, right? Like it is burning high. Yeah. But I thought it was funny because at first I thought. I don't even know if that's real. Like, is that real or does somebody just make that and it's just being, you know, false media? Oh, no, it's real. And he came out and apologized about it. And I'm like, oh, well. It's not the last we'll hear of it, that's for sure. No. (laughs) (laughs) How about uh, hotels? I remember playing and being on the road with the boys and you get that many guys in that close proximity. You just, you find ways to irritate each other and have fun with it though i don't mean irritate like in a bad i mean like in a good way right it's a way of bonding but probably at a coach's hair because he's probably pulled a lot of it out after you've leanered the 14th room and it's leaking through the ceiling or some damn thing on the road what was your go-to or what was the go-to of the boys back then no man that's i don't i'd like to know how it is these days for for some of them we if we go back to even like initiation or, or like rookie parties, that was that was a never avenue compared to what they're allowed to do these days. Well, let's talk about it. What did you, what did you do back in the rookie days? But uh, well, we we enjoyed it that way. We did it more of of a, an Olympic games. Okay. Of 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 drinks. Okay. And our and our some of our coaches, um, it's a little off topic too. But if he knew the boys were were going out for for a good time. Instead of a, a beg skate, we'd have two teams, and we'd almost do like an, an Olympic beg skate. 
of, uh, you know, you're doing twirls and then skate to the blue and, and back. And, and obviously that's going to mix it up a little bit and you're not, you're not feeling too good, but guys would still hurl, but, um, you just did it in, in a fun way. Not like you're, you're dreading to come to the rink and that's oh right. no, we're going to get in one and, and we got to sweat it out sort of thing. Yeah. So again, those are some of the good coaches that, that did it that way. And, um, it, it helped us as, as teams, um, for on the road. It's <laughs> you could you could do the toilet ones where you got the saran wrap, the guy's pissing on the toilet, it it's it sprays him. Um, you can do it where you could put the where he flushes it and um, and out the top where it shoots it back at him. Yeah, that's a good one. I've um, seen that one. You could, yeah, you can put the Vaseline on certain things where it's a little a little sticky. Uh, you can shove all his clothes and his his whole bed into one pillowcase, move it out in the hallway. Uh, who is who is the best prankster across your entire career that you just was there a guy that just sticks out that just love having a little bit of fun? No one in particular that sticks out. No, but I I got razzed on pretty good my first year. Again, the the rookie um, in Colorado, and they they gave it to me because they knew I could take it too. Uh, so, but they tried to always push my buttons, um, and and they used them all. Yeah. They use, yeah, definitely them all. So it's, uh, if you can think it, it's, it's been done, put it much, put it that way. Yeah. And I'm sure they still do the shoe checks and, and that's just good, good fun on what on was the, the pun, What was the punt uh, for shoe check? If you got shoe checked and they got you, so you actually got ketchup or whatever on your mm-hmm. shoe, what did you have to do in your career? What, what, what was the punishment for being shoe checked? There's nothing. You just took off your shoe, showed everybody, and it was almost like an embarrassment that that you got it. But if you had just a suede shoes on, well, geez, then <laughs> that guy's going to be pretty pretty pissed, obviously. So, so you never had to uh, get down on one knee and ask the waitress to marry you, anything like that? No, nothing. Nothing of that. No. Really? What What would happen is the rookies usually got set up. Oh yeah. And yeah. then you get the jug of water poured on you. Oh, that's happened on multiple occasions. Well, that I think that's a, a yeah. cultural norm across any age level. You always get the one rookie who wants to get the vets. Oh, yeah, that 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 has played out every every different place I played. That one right there played out, hundred percent. Because you get the rookies early on because they don't have a clue what's going on, and then they want to get back. Oh yeah, that that one was beautiful. Where we were too, we were scared of the vets. So I think it's different these days where guys are a little more, um, mo- some kids are a little more lippy. Do you think so? They're a little more self-confident with, with things from what I've seen, um, de- depending who they are. But uh, back then, yeah, you were intimidated. You were intimidated to walk to the back. You're intimidated to even speak or anything. You loaded the bus. You, If they said jump, you're almost like, how high? Um, so, but the bus, you get, you guys had to load the bus back then. Oh yeah. You're in there grinding it with your suit all dirty on a, God, you know, I forgot about that. Down, you... downstairs and swift current pulling up tubs and just freezing your nuts off. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, you remember those, <laughs> but you're working with the guys. Like you're just hoping there's a, a lot of rookies doing it. Cause if there's only two or something on the team, you're in one. You're in one. It's like, right. Yeah. Did you have to double up in seats, stuff like oh, that? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, was... just, you just hope you got a bigger guy because then he'd have a little more softer shoulders and some bony <laughs> guys. And he'd, he'd be a good pillow going against the side. So some of those long trips, yeah, you need it. Yeah. 
I always hoped for the little guys so that I'd have a little more room. I, no, yeah, the big little, guy, you're just jammed in there. You need a little more cushion, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was your go-to movie on the bus? Uh, you got to go the class. You got to go with like Young Blood and and Slapshot and that. Yeah. We watch those all the time. But then we also had a head coach where he played in Philly, and we made he made us watch his fight tapes all the time. And um, Don Knockbar, and he was one of the hardest working guys, and um, won his fitness testing. So he'd always make us watch his, his Philly tapes of of himself and and how they um, played and trained and. But yeah, obviously hockey movies, and then your whatever was out there at the time, whether it was, I don't know, Happy Gilmore, Austin Powers, and any both very good movies. Any any funny movies or Wedding Crashers, um, old school, like yeah, all those uh, well classics. Yeah, all the boys, uh, all the young guys now say uh, Step Brothers. Step Brothers. That's okay. that's that is probably the most universal across guys that are age. 17 to 25 right now stepbrothers it's always it's always the one-liners now oh yeah it's always the it's always been the, the one it always has but the quick-wittedness and uh uh just anything you can do with the boys right that's right yeah to use that again and um all in good fun of course <laughs> <laughs> did uh back then was that right at the end of being able to initiate players uh, no, it was still going on. Yeah. It, again, it wasn't bad with us. It, like, like what's bad? Having having some drinks and um, it wasn't tying up to anything. It wasn't. Well, no. Um, hot boxing in the in the. In I the, think we, on the bus or I anything. I think we can all agree that some guys went way too far with it. Right? Yeah, it wasn't the, beating, beating guys with certain things or paddling or. Yeah. No, we and then we never got that. It was. Um, I have no regrets. If anything, it made it made you stronger. Um, it's the way you you looked at it. I always uh, found you're, it you're as, doing it together, and then you're you're building team cohesiveness. I always yeah. found too it like made you a part of the group. And people now will say, well, it sh- you shouldn't have to go through anything to be a part of the group. But I f- I found like it was like a rite of passage. I think that was the whole thing of it, right? It was a rite of passage. Yeah. It felt it, like again, it, it depends what it is. There's there's some extremes, and I well, I, absolutely, I, I get those. Uh, but it's it's taking it with a grain of salt. Like you got to know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, you got to know that you're doing the same thing that your other rookies are doing. You're in it together. Embrace it. Have fun with it. You're only gonna do it once. Um, excuse me. Uh, it's just, it's yeah. It's all in good fun. Yeah. Where was your favorite rink to play in the dub? I mean, you're gonna say Tri Cities probably, but I mean, I away from home. Spokane. Spokane. Why? Spokane was our rival. Okay. Uh, Saturday night in Spokane, sellout barn, 10-5. And it, again, it's something about quieting the crowd, shutting them up, winning there, and shoving it right up their ass. Like there's something <laughs> good about that. There's nothing better than beating your rival on their turf, um, knowing they're the favorite. And, and you can, yeah. You can be the talk of the town the next day, and they're going to get shit on. And yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a battle. It's gonna be tough, but um, it's 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 fun. Yeah, it's fun to be a part of those. Who had the best fans at that time? It was 
again in the west it was probably again them i would have to say because of our rival um Kamloops. they were supported locally and they always sold out yeah it was always fun coming to canada obviously to to, to play those that are are sold out because we were not too many times uh drew well in, in try yeah uh except for those maybe games against Spokane the odd time, like New Year's Eve games or maybe a home opener. That's about it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we were probably the most competitive my last year. So that's when it, it started to really shine um, with, uh, with us being more competitive and then people wanting to see us more, whether we were in Kelowna um, and, and other centers. So, and, and that's when the stability happened. That's when new ownership was stable. That's when the GM was stable, the head coach. Um, and like anything, it starts at the top. Yeah. I say, I say that with, it's not sports. It's, it's business too. It's everything. It's, it starts at the top. You got to look yourself in the mirror for, for who's running things and, and take ownership and accountability for, for how things are run below. Yeah. I feel like you told me this once upon a time completely switching the subject but who was the goalie who came in right at the end your last year Carey Price was it Carey Price <laughs> I am remembering that correct right so yeah Carey and I were together uh, my 19 year old year and he was 16 yeah what was the what was a 16 year old Carey Price like uh, again like a, like a sponge like trying to learn um, Did, I'll ask a better question at 16, did you go, wow, here's the next superstar goaltender of the NHL, or was he just like no. a 16-year-old kid? No, just a 16-year-old kid. Obviously, he was a high draft pick for try. Um, had good uh, family genes because his dad played um, as well, uh, coming from a good family. Where did his dad play? Uh, I think he played pro too, and then he was, he was a goalie as well. So that he had that background, and, and he could fight in his dad for, for a lot of um, – mentorship and, mentorship. and yeah. what to do and what to expect and everything yeah. else yeah so that that helps but yeah he was you know he was he was learning like like everybody else coming into the league he had the capability he had the the size already yeah um but um that comes with experience can you get up to that speed can you get up to that level um can your can your skills improve over the course of the season? And, and, and he did. Yeah. And I didn't see it as at that young age. Um, I think anybody that you're paired with, you're not looking to see their improvements. You're, you're kind of more into, into like your own craft and, and trying to do to make sure you're bringing it every day into the table and, and, you're working together, um, obviously practicing, working out, doing this little thing and, and hanging out after. But what is the bond like between two goaltenders? Is it a love hate relationship or is it like two brothers? I, I don't know. I'm curious. I think it depends who it is. I think it depends on your personalities. Yeah. There's, there's some, again, from, from my experience that I was always the one that was younger um, and if you have a younger guy going for an older guy's job, he's not going to be happy about that. 
So is he going to help you as much? Are you going to be as close with him? Um, again, is it junior? Is it pro? Is is he on his last year's his contract? Are you fighting for that number? So there's so many intangibles to to take into effect of why he's doing things this way, why I'm doing things this way. Um, I've had good relationships with, with a lot of my guys. Yeah. For the most part, I've always been the starter. <laughs> which helps. So which, which helps, which you're so in tuned, again, of of just your next game and trying to stay focused in the moment because you play so many games over the course of a season. You know, I don't know of many other positions in sports. There probably are, and you could maybe list off a couple. I'm not sure. But how hard is it to walk that line as a goaltender? Because he's like, you have a bad game. Okay, you had a bad game. You have two bad games. You have three bad games. I don't know how many games you get. You probably know. And then you're sitting on the pine, and you if the other guy goes in and goes amazing, you don't get another game. And, like, there's not too many positions in sports like that. No, it's a, again, it's a special position. It's the it's a, the most important on, on a team, I would feel. Um, that's me being biased, but I think a lot of people would agree. Um, you need support too, whether you're the best in the world, you still need your, your good decor. You still need a good, that's right. You good, need good, good system in front of you. Uh, you still got to be on the same page with your, your coaching staff and what they expect of you. And, and, and the feedback these days is a lot more better. Um, it's, it's improved for what everybody expects of you. Um, you have goalie coaches, um, where again, we didn't have that in, in try. Um, so what were you, if you didn't have the goalie coach and stuff, like what were you doing to improve that? You would, you would try to learn the most in the off season. You would go to a goalie camp. Goalie camps. Yeah. So what we started to do in, in the dub was, uh, let's go see a goalie coach. Cam Ward and I would go see, uh, Ian Clark in Vancouver. So he had a, a, it was GDI. We'd go see him in, in Burnaby and, and stay there for, you know, a week or, or two weeks before we went to, to our uh, dub teams. Um, and, and that's how it was. And then it kind of transformed into the pro level as well because certain teams had goalie coaches and then probably well over 60% didn't. Is that changed now? Does everybody have a goalie coach? I would say, yeah, that's changed, yeah, dramatically, yeah. Where if they don't have full times, they'll at least have a guy that comes in, you know, works with the goaltenders once a month for for a week. And in your opinion, is that like, I don't know, night and day difference? It is. Like to have somebody critiquing and helping and drills and whatever else. Yeah, it's just it's just somebody that you can relate to on a, on a different level. Um, some some coaches they just think okay goalie just stop the puck and i and and we laugh at that cuz that's still something that's, <laughs> that's how not, it is that's not it just stop the puck just stop the puck <laughs> so and you we could go off here with oh goalies are weird and they're quirky and that goalies are weird are, goalies are quirky are, are they <laughs> are they who's who's the idiot drop blocking shots with no gear on and stuff and oh well, that's <laughs> that's this guy yeah yeah, yeah all right I'm the, I'm the one wearing the face shield here you're the one blocking shots with your jaw and <laughs> And I, believe me, I do appreciate that. And, and with your limbs, but who's the crazy one? Yeah, I would say. So I think, I think, you know, you, we all know some crazy guys and, and some crazy goalies, but then if you're a player, 
Oh, he's a beauty. He's a beauty. <laughs> and he's and he's wacko. He's just out to lunch on his own program, but then he's just he's just a beauty. And then if it's a goalie, and it's like he's a he's weirdo. A weirdo. <laughs> so where is that balance? Um, there, I was there, just about to say, not. it feels like there's a lot of weirdo goalies, but <laughs> you bring up the point about beauties. Eh, you, may, you might have something there. Yeah, so no, it's, I see it's all in good fun. I see preparing this argument for a long no, time. No, no, it's all in good fun. <laughs> 2002, you get drafted. Did you go to the draft? No. Did you think you were going to get drafted? I th- I thought I was, uh, but wasn't sure. Again, playing in uh, playing in Tri Cities, um, we didn't have the best team, so um, my draft stock definitely plummeted because of you know our record. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> were I, you were you sorry? Were you following along with it? Like you, you talk about reports, kids today see report. Mm-hmm. Here's this mm-hmm. draft summary and this prospect. Well, yeah, but, they had. I believe they had the red line report then. Uh, now you have, you know. So what was the Button, what was the McKenzie doing all those reports? So were you ever? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Exactly. Uh, were you? What was the highest you were ever rated? Or what was the thing you remember? I was I was high after going into my draft year simply because I played as a 16 year old. Okay. So if you play, you know, if you're a starting goalie and you stole the job as a 16-year-old, well, geez, this kid has potential and he can, you know, how's he going to evolve and how are we going to see him next year? But then you start analyzing everything else. Um, Again, I didn't have the size. Um, I was was a smaller guy, so I've shortchanged that way, and those are things you can't control. Um, Didn't have a a great year, had an okay year. We made the playoffs. Uh, We lost in the first round to Spokane. Oh, that must have been tough. So, but again, it was a, it was a good year, um, for for moving to the next step to where we were projected to be at. Um, and you see a lot of guys just don't pan out. They're on good junior teams. Yeah. A lot is a lot is is timing. You you see it whether it's players, whether it's defensemen, whether it's it's goalies. You're on a great junior team. You have that one good year that you put up stellar numbers you get drafted high and you're like well what happened to this kid it's it it happens all the time but ultimately you always want a great year it goes back to the resume right okay has he competed for this has he been on you know team canada you've seen it's it's easy to pick those players and justify your decisions based on their resume on the resume right so but yeah it, it was yeah it was a it was a dream it was a dream day so did you did you have thoughts of going to the draft? Where was the draft that year held? Uh, I don't even know to be honest with you. Yeah, I didn't I didn't too pay too much attention. Um, the I've talked to the teams and the obviously Colorado being my favorite team at the time. What was uh, 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 when you mean you talked to the teams? Did you have to go somewhere? No, this did is just over the over, over the, the phone. phone. Yeah, you and they send you, you reports. Some teams send you. Reports. Um, Reports. You got to explain to me. I'm... Such as the Rangers, so they do uh, analysis for um, sky is blue as the sun is what. So, and what would you be your answer? There's no right or wrong answer, but they have this report that they send in, and they try to analyze, you know, your train of thought and how you think, and um, they think they can justify it how how competitive you are and and the type of player 
they might be looking for. So it's different reports like that. Um, some of the top questions are, has any of your family played in the NHL or at a high level before? Um, so They're looking for ancestry to see if you can... Yeah. If it's in your blood? Yeah. Well, and so when you're speak. when you're surrounded by it, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. you're uh, you're more prone to have success because you're surrounded and um, and given those um, necessary steps for for going forward and succeeding. Yeah. But what was the co- so Colorado was stuck out just because of a phone call? No, or I, Colorado was your team. Colorado was my favorite team at the time. Yeah, I liked I liked Patrick Waugh, and and that was my favorite goal well, at the time. So. They were dynamic back then. Patty Wannett, Joe Sackick, Peter Forsberg, Milan Hayduk. Milan Hayduk? Yeah. This is Milan, right? Yeah. Hedges, yeah. I'm saying these names because i got to pull myself back to that time, but as you go to your first training camp with them, that's who would have been there. Okay, now I'm, I'm still stuck on drafts. So you didn't go to the draft. I didn't go to the draft. No, so what? I, ha- so I, they just call you? Yeah, it was the second day, and I, I woke up, and I think. Did you? It like, wouldn't have been on TSN. No, I think Dad and I went golfing uh, that that morning <laughs> after that. It was again. You're 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 drafted. It's it's an honor. You're ex- you're excited. You're it's your favorite team, but it's just the next step. You're, I know, but fuck off. I mean that. I mean that literally, and like. Yes, it's, but you still got drafted. Absolutely, yeah. I love your mentality. You could be my goal any day. <laughs> no, it's it, it was a dream come true. Absolutely. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm excited to go to camp. Um, Dude, whoa, more whoa, whoa, than happy. We got back this up. So you're golfing. You get a phone call. Hey. No, by I, the way, I was sleeping. I would. I just got up, and before I went golfing, you got a call saying, "Hey, you just got taken in the fifth round." Yeah. By the Colorado Avalanche, 164th yeah. overall. And then what? You go golfing. Yeah. Did you go paint the town red that night? No. <laughs> you haven't accomplished anything yet. You, you, it, it was just like checking the box, but it, I wasn't at that level yet. It wasn't, you hadn't, you hadn't got there. It's official. I would have been one of those guys who got drafted and then fizzled out before he even went to training camp because he would have been so pumped. <laughs> yeah. And then you're... <laughs> You're overwhelmed at at who you're going to see that upcoming fall. So speaking in, as a goaltender, you went to the depth chart and seen who they had in front of you, I assume. Because yeah. if I'm a D-man, which I am, I would have checked and seen they had guys like Rob Blake and Adam Foote and, I don't know, you can name off probably 10 more, and I would have been like, ooh, that's some stiff competition. At that time, they would have had Patrick Waugh, would Patty Patty played one year while because he would have been right at the end, right? No, Patty was there for a, a number of years yet. Okay, so yeah. you had Patrick Waugh, Peter Budai, David Abisher. David Abisher, yeah. yes. Yeah. That would have been the three big ones at the time, right? Yeah. Okay, carry on. So Tom Lawson, yeah, those were the other ones. So when was flying down for training camp like? Nerve wracking. Yeah, you're uh, going from your well, your, your favorite team to gonna meet these guys in person to shoot on you to, yeah, it was uh, it was nerves. I was uh, I was throwing up some days beforehand. It's just the nerves. <laughs> that was the first time I've experienced that. Yeah. So when people speak of being nervous and and throwing up, that was that was me. Yeah. So. What uh, what calmed the nerves? 
first puck in the chest or did were you nervous on ice too no i just yeah just getting out there just stepping on yeah 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 just feeling that brisk of of cool air and yeah who was the who was the other high prospects that would have been at colorado the time you went like right around that time who were the other guys they were drafting etc uh there would have been johnny boychuk oh yeah would have been my age um wolski stasny maybe your afters um Svatos. I was there. just curious yeah. of the 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 group of kids that were coming in all at the same time. That's all I was curious yeah. about. No, we had a good number of uh of, of dub guys, which obviously helped you that you were familiar with. Yeah. Um and then knowing, you know, Johnny from, from Edmonton here too. So that uh that helps along the way. But uh it was it was great, yeah. Just being in that environment, going down there. Um, feeling welcome from from day one, with the, with the staff taking you under your wing and 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 different management and. Now I'm gonna ask. So I asked, what was the, what was it like going from Bantam to the Dub? What's it like going from the Dub to the NHL? And now I know you're gonna say speed, skill, size, age. Everybody gets that answer. But what are some of the things you just you, like? I just can't even remotely understand. money <laughs> well, that's a good one so when you pull up to the lot and and you're uh when you're a young kid and and you see you know range rover porsche mercedes and you're like geez like these guys are rolling out here and they're gonna come shoot on you after and you're you're thinking okay this is what i'm in, in, want to inspire to do like this is this is next level here guys signing autographs out there and it's, it's just in you like they're like rock stars so um, you know, they, I think they've already, yeah, they were already won a cup by that time. They just won another one that following year. Yeah. And it, uh, it changed every year in camp. Um, the, the one year, for example, at, at an all-star team, uh, if you, if you remember, I think an ESPN special, they had cameras, uh, on us for camp the whole time. Cause there was, uh, Solani, Korea. I got them written down. Blake. Um, that was 2003. Bork. That was it. Was or, yeah, I believe so. It was it was unbelievable. Like our our inner squad games and our teams put together were were phenomenal. Like they could have beat some of the teams across the league, but um, it didn't pan out that year. No, it did not. Uh, when you have all those superstars, you you need those role players and guys in order to to tick off those minutes and and play diminish roles it's it's tough to do when you've been superstar on other teams so um to say it wasn't fun it was it was unbelievable uh but a lot of pressure was them to win it all when you're when you're the top dog and you're expected to 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 win it because they were always the one competing for championships yeah they were they were phenomenal and they would always be the one to to trade away prospects to compete for for championships and yeah it was along for along for the ride for black aces during the playoffs to to Patty's last game um before he retired yeah against against Minnesota and seeing yeah I if it was me my first question would be about Peter Forsberg or Joe Sackick but since you're the goalie what was it like being around Patrick Waugh what like we're talking about I don't know you can argue with me on this, but top three goalie ever in the NHL? I think that's top five at the far farthest mount. I mean, like, the guy was unbelievable. Yeah, he's 
<laughs> again, you're just trying to be a sponge. You're uh, so. What did you soak up from Patty Wall? What did you? You're sitting there in your sponge. You got Patty Wall there. You're like, yeah. Well, you're you're nervous. You're not having in depth conversations with him to to pick his brain. You wish you could. It's just things that you wanted to do, and now that you're older, that it wouldn't be a big deal to just go talk to him and pick his brain. You just yep. didn't do as a young kid. Um, the some of the biggest is is equipment. Um, if you remember how equipment was so huge and um, trainers would tie webbing into his jersey so pucks wouldn't go through. So he revolutionized different aspects of the goalie equipment of how he would make himself bigger, how pucks wouldn't go through him, how he changed the the puck handling as well. Um, I still tape my sticks the same way. I did in my whole career. Tape my sticks exactly the same way he did. Um, Making yourself look bigger than you actually are playing big I was never that you know six two six three frame but guys always said geez you you look big in there like you don't play like you're five eleven six feet and where some guys you know crouch on they might seem that way you look like what do you are you, you're upright you're you're square you're you look like you're wearing an illegal chest protector in that and just different things whether you keep your chest protector out of your pants I know these are different things that only some people would understand, but it adds those little inches on each side that make a big difference in the end where some people like it because it's, uh, it's more comforting for them. Here's a really random question about goalie equipment that I heard. Actually, I read an article on that by wearing colored pads, so instead of white pads, colored pads, you can see the edges against the mesh. And again, it's easier for shooters to pick corners, so you should wear white equipment. Does that make sense to you? You're talking about little inches here and there. Does that seem to be like... Oh, you know. I've always done it for that reason. Majority, I've always picked more white on my gear. Um, just because, I again, I didn't have that 6-4 frame, so any advantage I could get, I took advantage of it. Um, I know some goalie coaches, for instance, uh, Ian Clark, who's a goalie coach for Vancouver, he will not allow those goalies to put um, any color on their outside rolls or their pads. That's just a rule he, he has. But I, I, I do think it, it's true. They, it makes you look smaller for, for black gear um, and, and dark gear. Abisher wore all black the one camp and had a horrendous start to the season. And to this day, they still talk about, okay, well, it looked like guys could just pick corners left and right on him. Left and right on. Where he had a stellar year the year before. So he switched back halfway through the year and kind of turned it around. I don't know if a lot is mentality too. Um, But yeah, you ask the shooter, "Can can I pick the corner? Is it visibly easily to see? I think it is. You, you know, you blend into the ice, you blend into the net. It makes sense. Some, some me. will make an argument that it's the same size all around, but it's what the visual effects of it and what the mind makes you want to see. So if I can play tricks on you, knowing I already have that advantage, knowing I already know where I want you to shoot, well, don't you think I have an upper hand already on you? I would say so. So different things that he taught me that way where you need to take advantage of those in order to to get the upper hand any way you can 
are just, it just seemed so simple to me. And, and I follow that kind of for the best I could wherever I, wherever I went on besides obviously the competitive nature and, and the way he thought it, but we never had those in-depth conversations to the way he thought the game or what he saw or, or anything. I, I just knew when we did drills together during camp, God forbid you put one higher than, than his pads. And then when the rookies goes in, well, they go zipping by my ears and they're going bar down. <laughs> so you're, you're just taking it. Obviously the guys are, are shooting the score and, and when you're the starter, you're, um, you better be, you know, mid to mid to low. So he's always feeling the puck. And again, you just know your role. You're like, well, it's Patty. So I'll just get in there. He makes it look so easy. And all of a sudden, oh shit. Ting, ting, ting. I got to oh. ask about the forwards on that team, right? Who is, I don't know. Maybe, maybe you, you can elaborate on who's got the hardest shot. I don't know. The story I love about Joe Sackick is, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but he always shot to miss legs, not to uh, hit the open spot in the net, right? Because if it hits the leg, it ain't going in anyways. And so we always shoot to miss legs. So I always loved Joe because he he just had a fine way of being around the net and finding ways to pick little spots and score from really weird angles or come in on a harmless two-on-one and or one-on-two and put it between the defender's legs and it goes in because the goalie can't see it because it's a quick release and boom between the legs and he was a fun player to watch but I mean you also got guys we weren't even talking about all these friggin' names it's like you speak of Timu Solani like Timu Solani put up an ungodly amount of goals in his first year and then Paul Correa and Peter Forsberg and my head's just starting to spin right now. Like being on the ice with all these guys, are you like, yeah, they were pretty freaking good. Was there was there one guy though, or was there several that just walked in on you and put it past you, or maybe you grabbed? I don't know. I I think you once you get to that level and you you know you st- you stop a few in here, you realize that you get the timing down packed. And that's why when you say, okay, who had the hardest shot or anything, I can't pinpoint one guy that had a cannon. Everybody can shoot the puck hard. Yeah. Um, some guys in the A can shoot the puck harder than the guys in the NHL. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah. That just, it's, it's just place. Just because you can it's, shoot it's, a puck hard It's placement, mean it's timing. It's yeah. when you're at that level, guys are, are better positioned. You know where they're going to be. Um, and it forces you to become that much quicker and to get to that next level and analyze the play and and think that much forward than you have to um and then you and you then you don't even think anymore it just becomes natural you're just like it comes rather than overwhelming you're like you know i can i can play here i can i can do it i'm helping them just as much as they're helping me and and they make you feel that way too so and that's stemming from going to development camp and, and coaches telling you that too and, and putting in that time and doing um, different off ice with, with the lights where you're getting your doing concussion tests and um, ag- agility drills and yeah. it just you know you can get there once you've done it before so the more I, I did it for a number of years going to camp but um once you go to camp once, then you're comfortable. Then you go the second year, 
well, you should constantly getting better. And that's yeah. what it was. And then the more you get to know the guys and they say hi and take you under their wing and you're going to their house and having barbecues and, and, and driving to the rink with them. And, um, you know, you're, you're backing up games and, and you're riding on the plane and, and the bus and in the hotel room and, and you're, you're, you're part of them and you, and you feel it. Um, it's, it's, it's still a big deal. Don't get me wrong, but you kind of have to, to not think that way. And if, and if you think you don't belong, I think you've already lost. Yeah, that makes sense. So uh, as much as it's mental and, and as goalie it is, confidence is everything. And there's a difference between confidence and it's good to have that cockiness too, because I think you have to, but it's how it's, how it's brought out. I think you can have that cockiness the moment you go on the ice or, or to, to have that screw you attitude that I'm not going to get beat um, rather than that conceitedness when you do interviews or, or the way you talk to people. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, sorry, I'm a little off topic. It's your first year pro, mm-hmm. right? You don't have billets. I assume you're living mm-hmm. with a roommate. I was, I was living with a roommate, David Sogrovsky. He's a, uh, he's from Czech Republic. Um, and he, uh, yeah, he played in the dub prior. He played in Seattle. Right. So we, yeah, played against each other. But, uh, yeah, we thought, obviously, we knew each other from camp from a couple of years. And, right. And, uh, and yeah, we had fun together. Like, it was, we were not great chefs at all, uh, but we enjoyed ourselves as, as roommates. Yeah. Um, what you guys live in? You live in an apartment? We live in an apartment, yeah. Mm, yeah, a little apartment like that. I like that. Okay. <laughs> a little apartment, a little pool, and the gym next door. Yeah. Yeah. Gym didn't see too much action, but the pool did. Yeah. Uh, like, I just think of WHL junior hockey in general. And whether or not you had a mandated curfew, you were kind of, you, you know, you're living with a family. You kind of got to be in at a certain time. You kind of got to abide by rules. But, and then you go to pro. You're living in an apartment with another guy on the team. It was a frat house, put it that way for us. The right. T- the two of That's us. That's what I'm getting at. Two two single guys um, in in a college town. Um, How hard of an adjustment was that? J- just for, like, having to get up and play hockey and be, like, on top of your game, but knowing at night you could do whatever the heck you wanted. The, the, the toughest was just really making our own food. <laughs> Like, yeah, because we, we, we ate like shit. Like we, yeah, we, we took a, we should have took a cooking class because <laughs> some of the stuff that we ate there. So what did you eat? And they did an interview on us a couple of times because we were having so much success and they'd come by and we'd, you know, be making spaghetti and putting, you know, ketchup on it and um, just dried chicken. And they're like, really? Really? This is going to make you win tonight? And, and this is what's making you successful? Like, yeah, we were. Again, our, our guidance and, and, and grocery store etiquette for what we were buying, and, and that was horrendous. Yeah, it was. Um, but we managed, yeah. So we were, we were young kids. It didn't really matter what we were fueling ourselves with at that time. We had enough energy uh, to go around. Uh, we were still young. Uh, we were, yeah, both 20, I believe, yeah. Where was the uh, popular spot in town to go? Was there, oh, 20, you weren't even old enough to get in the bars. No, no. 
Holy crap, you still weren't old enough to get in the bars. Okay, so you couldn't even, you were still, that's why it's a frat house. You can't even even go to a local pub and have a watering hole. No, no. So we had to be very selective when we went out to, with the team. But, you know, being the two young guys and, and a college town, we could find our own watering holes pretty good. <laughs> long, long bus trips in that league it was at the time yeah yeah what what uh, we had a where, sli- sleeper bus and all the way you know we went from louisiana yeah, and places, Memf- memphis so some of these places you you think you'd never see which it was it was cool to see we had a rookie party in memphis uh yeah dressed us up as women in high heels and and night on the town and did some karaoke and some singing and we were the laughing stock but had a good time yeah that down to Shreveport, um, yeah, Texas, all over Texas. That's before. What that's when you? Austin, it Austin ice bats. Austin ice bats. Yeah, bats like literally flying over your head, going into the rink. You're like, where the hell am I right now? Like, it's yeah. What was? It? Nah, I don't even know how to phrase this. You've probably played in some of the most random places. I'm going to assume. Where is the most random place where you just is it the is it the ice bats? Is it just you walk in and you're kind of like, where are we right now? Uh, no, it'd be Europe. It definitely been my first year Europe in Europe there in Germany. Really? Yeah. Because it was it was just a culture cultural shock, and um, when you go to Europe, you have two a days, so two practices and a workout um, and you do it for a month straight so you go there training camp usually starts at the start of August and goes all of August and then the season usually starts in September now you might play anywhere from 6 to 10 exhibition games over that span but yeah doing the two days and in Augsburg where I played they had an open stadium at the time so an open stadium where light would shine in or the sun would shine in. So you're getting shots and you're like squinting where guys are coming down. You can't even pick the damn thing up. <laughs> no word of a lie. And there's birds flying over you. There's birds flying in the stadium. It was it was 30 degree weather because it's beautiful weather in Europe at that time. There's uh, whether it's moths or flies like just coming after and then dying on the ice. And then they could smoke in the stadium. So there's fans in there darting up. So you're inhaling all this smoke. You're squinting, taking shots off the collarbone, and you're seeing these birds fly over. You're like, where the hell, what did I do coming over here? (laughs) Like, did I make the right decision? And that's when you question everything, everything. I remember that like yesterday. Yeah, that's, yeah. Did you ever play with any player that had to have a smoke break in between periods? Not a smoke break, no, no. It's uh, not a smoke break. What, what it would you... it would be more tobacco. Yeah, guys. Oh, would, guys, oh yeah, guys chew. would chew all the yeah, time. Yeah, so yeah, yeah that's would... that's pretty standard. Yeah, no, yeah, you know, not a smoke break that way. You know what yeah. I love about senior hockey? Still playing senior hockey now, is the smoke breaks. Actually, they're they're actually becoming way less. But when I first started playing senior hockey, when I first got back here, there'd be like six guys after the first period walk out. Where are they going? Well, they need to have a smoke, and I'd be like. Oh, okay. But you listen to like older, older generations and they talk about that like a standard. Oh, they smoke right in the dressing room, hmm. which is awesome. And in Europe, it was so normal. Um, again, in Augsburg, my first year, 
the dressing room was and the fans are all over you so you can pretty much inhale it from in the dress in the dressing room like it was just you're like this isn't what i was told this this is like what's going on here so don't don't get me wrong it it got better and it it definitely improved from there but um that was my first eye opener to to that experience okay so we're closing on two hours so what we're gonna do is we're gonna rattle off about i don't know i'm terrible with this i'll just say 10 questions because I like rattling off questions because as soon as you start talking, new questions are going to pop in my head. But we're going to say right now we're going to have to have a part two because I'm not going to hold listeners here for six hours because right now I, I'm pretty sure I could go for six hours. I haven't got into the good stories yet. That's right. So that's my first question because we said if we didn't get into the good stories that I was allowed to ask right now for Justin Morin that you have to tell a couple stories. So... You wanted you wanted those hot tub Colorado stories, I guess, eh? Sure. <laughs> you give me whatever you want, big fella. I'm saying right now for Justin Warren, who's sitting there going, he's got his hands in the air. He's going, come on, tell me a story already. Are we talking country music awards? Are we talking what are we talking? I'm just saying, throw the dog a bone. Oh, we can do that one. All right. So as playing in, you want to you want to do Colorado first? Sure. <laughs> okay, so we're Colorado. My my roommate's David Sagrowski, right? Um, the season's over. We win the championship. Life is good. We're going back home for the summer. Um, you have to figure out, okay, how's mail that's been sent here all year? We have to go talk to the manager. So we go talk to the manager. We've seen her throughout the year a few times. We, we give her our home address and we say, okay, if anything gets, you know, sent here in the summer, can you send it home? So she's like, yeah, you know, no problem. Um, and uh, you should have a championship video if, if you're, if that comes in the mail too. Um, I'll, I'll be sending it to you. I'm like, okay, perfect. Um, at the time, I was in Washington State with, with my girlfriend um, and I got this call from my mom. She's like, Tyler, do you know a Julie? I'm like, no, I don't know a Julie. She's like, are you sure? She sent you a package. I'm like, no, I don't know Julie. Where's it from? She's like, oh, from Colorado for Fort Collins. I'm like, Can, did you open it? Oh yeah, I opened it. I was like, well, what was in it? <laughs> She's like, well, there was a tape in there and, uh, some photos. I'm like, well, what was the tape? Oh, it was a championship tape. I'm like, oh, now it's making sense to me here. It's it's cluing in that. Oh yeah, Julie was our you know our manager at the at our apartment complex, and we said we you know give her her address and our our address and send anything that uh, that we needed over. Um, and and did you watch the tape, mom? Um, no, I didn't watch the tape yet, but it says championship video, and then I was like, okay, perfect. Well, are the are the pictures championship videos? No, they're not championship videos. Or the not championship photos. I'm like, well, what are they? Are you sure you don't know Julie? She goes, I'm like, mom, I just explained the damn whole situation here. What's <laughs> like, what's the She's like, well, she sent some risque pictures. I'm like, well, what'd she send? She's like, well, she has lingerie on. She's on the bed. She's on all fours. She has a shotgun in her hand. Are you sure you don't know Julie? I'm like, wow. No, mom, I don't know Julie. But you might want to hold on to the photos. But you might want to hold on to those. 
So you'll have to you have to quiz Linda about those ones, but uh, I'm sure she has your own, her own story for those. So I get home, um, see the photos, and to this day, I'm sure she thinks I'm a damn liar that I that I don't know Julie better. Um, but that's that's the honest truth. So yeah, the the photos she sent me another number of risque photos along with the championship tape. Uh, huge fan, um, <laughs> and the first one to open them was my mom. So yeah. But that's that's one story for for Colorado. So tidbit is we did meet Julie the following year and and got a little bit more information of why she sent the photos. But uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know Justin's happy right now. He's been waiting for an hour and forty minutes to hear that. <laughs> that was good. So there's yeah there's 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 plenty of those stories. But uh, um, yeah, being a being a married man now so i gotta, no, no, I, gotta no, no. I gotta calm it down so <laughs> no that's good that's good do you want country music or do you want me to rattle off questions oh you want the country music one i don't know you you kind of half-ass mention it so <laughs> okay so we got uh we got me playing in san diego um uh, a teammate of mine who's who's well connected in in the la market um for for concerts and, and events and um, hooks up a party bus to to take us from San Diego to to LA for the American Music Awards, which is I believe it's in November. So we all go. Uh, I don't know four teammates of ours with a couple of people that were random people maybe that we don't know on board. Some you know good looking women and and some and some couples. So we go there and we kind of get nosebleed seats and um, what you don't know what with the award shows is when certain celebrities are uh, doing um, the announcements or, or giving out the awards on stage, they have to vacate their seat. And when they vacate their seat, they don't want to stem the crowd and see empty seats. So they're called seat fillers. So we kind of made ourselves down, uh, made, made ourselves down from the, from the nosebleed section to eventually great seats. Um, met, a, met a lovely girl uh, there as well, who, uh, accompanied me, who, you know, being in the San Diego st- scene, I was single at the time. Uh, she was a playboy playmate and, uh, and we made our way down. So she got a lot of obviously attention that way. So it, it helped my chances, uh, made our way next to, you know, Paris Hilton, Ron Jeremy, um, in between sessions talking to, you know, Faith Hill, Tim McGraw. And it was, uh, it was an eye opener for me being a 21 year old kid and, uh, and being there, seeing all those stars, um, at those award shows. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> and then seeing afterwards the award show and, and then meeting, meeting Ron Jeremy and him signing RJ and all the girls breasts, uh, that they wanted autographs for. Um, <laughs> but, uh, th- then after the award shows happened and, um, ended up uh, dating this this girl uh, who we made our way down with, and um, and after after games in San Diego, guys would be like, "Oh, who's he with?" and 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 they're like, "Oh, he's Lyman the goalie." It's like, "What the hell? How did he pull that off?" and and then my mom and dad ended up coming down to visit shortly after, and um, I'll remember this this day too and you know, they came to a game and they got introduced to her and my dad's face and my mom's face and my sister's face was kind of like, I was 21. She was, I think, 29 at the time. And 
uh, just their their face alone like what is going on here <laughs> sort of situation so again you're gonna have to get that story from uh from lyndon miles to to really the next time to really, I see your to father, really get the depth I'm gonna of that have to... so it's it's something we really haven't discussed or, or talked about <laughs> since them to, for, to see their reaction uh but uh yeah i'm sure he has a good chuckle about it we we laugh about it at certain uh whether it's you know the My uncle that asked me at wedding events. A playboy playmate. All so, right then. So just yeah, the expression on your mom's face and, and oh no, and your dad's. Your mom, when, your mom. When you see that you're just like my poor son. I don't know what he's gonna do down here in Southern California. <laughs> I hope he's not getting into the. Who knows what? So let's, Meanwhile, your dad's let's just let's just you. let's just say I had my head straight, screwed on straight, and and everything worked out. So. <laughs> All right. I'm going to rattle off some questions. This is how I love to end the, the podcast. I, I'd love to give you a number, but like I said before, I start rattling these off, and then you're going to say things, and I'm going to ask more questions because that's what I do. But we're going, to, we're going to say on the high side 10. All right, folks? 10 questions. So first one is, and this is not about you. It's about Patrick Laine right now. I'm just curious on your thoughts. Patrick Laine is over in Finland. And is holding out on contract. I was just curious. We go from play-by-play mate to Patrick Lina. I know we went a little serious here. But I'm just curious. If you are sitting there watching the scenario going like, man, just shut up and drive. Just sign the contract, come play. Or if you're the player guy going, no, you need to do what's best for you, essentially. A lot is his advisors. A lot is his agent. Um driving the the bus driving the bus you think absolutely that's absolutely what's going on there i'm not saying absolutely but a a lot of it stems from okay what can they get on the market compared to what everybody else is you're going to do comparables you're going to see what's the best chances to to hold out to to get you paid because ultimately he wants to get paid too so so do you sympathize with them then if you're a jets fan or just a, a just a no fan. You're just sitting there looking at it going, I don't know. I'd tell him just to zip his mouth, go in and sign whatever the, not a long, it doesn't have to be a long-term deal, but sign something so you're playing. Because the longer you stay away from it, I feel like you hurt. But maybe I'm wrong. No, absolutely, yeah. Again, you have to earn it. He's uh, he's had a great um, start to his career. Yeah. Um, they've had success as a franchise since they've been back to Winnipeg. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to retract this year which I got a feeling they, they will, knowing some of the, the losses they've incurred. Um, but again, they, they, they need him. So it's kind of, again, Shell Day Off is, is, needs them to have success or him to have, the Jets to have success. Um, and how long They need him to come back and have a good year. Exactly. How long he's willing to wait, how long they're willing to wait it out to give him what he wants. That's a different story. That's a different story. As as a teammate, if you're a teammate of his, you understand the business side of it because everybody's there. Everybody loves to be in that position where you have some leverage going into some of those contract talks. So, again, it's a tough situation. As a fan, you're just saying shut up and play. As a teammate, if you were in that situation, you understand that it's it's all business and he's not going to hold out forever. It's just part of it. It's only training camp. 
a lot of guys that have been in the league for for a long time it's they don't like it's like oh, okay i don't need to play x amount of games um they keep in touch with certain teammates um he's i'm sure he's staying in shape obviously keep keeping ready but at the same time as a, the management they they want him there they want this done as soon as possible so it doesn't become a distraction and a, a question going forward pending the success they have or the start they have to the season to take you from serious to a little lighter what was your favorite level of hockey if you could go back and play minor hockey WHL minor leagues pro or like NHL Europe like, what is your fondest memories? Like, where would you go? Oh, that's a tough question. Good question. Again, each of them have its attributes to it. It's when, when you're younger, you don't, you don't think much. It's, there's no pressure. You're, you're just playing. You're with your friends. You're playing. You're going to justify all the, the game different you spots. I know. No, I it's, want, I want the spot. It's. It's being the NHL by yeah. by far. Like it 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 doesn't compare. When you're when you're at that level, when you're when you're there with with the guys, um, when you're you're stepping on that ice in, in certain stadiums, when you're rolling off the plane on on the buses, it's and and I've just had a cup of coffee. Like it's, um, yeah, I've been around it with some pretty good superstars and, and that, but uh, you're pretty fortunate to being in the in the best league and and there's a lot of perks and you get don't have to it's it's amazing how many people want to do things for you when you're at that level than you do for them sort of thing and you always want to reciprocate but it's amazing how many people reach out to you when you're when you're there best trip you've ever heard chirp I don't know I, nothing's really yeah I'll carry on okay. best fight you ever saw who is the who is the heavyweight who went at it where you're like I was ready for this game junior it would uh, John Morasti John Morasti from Metal Lake Saskatchewan and David Bugard or Derek Bugard, sorry. Derek Bugard? Yeah. Yeah. And I played with his brother Aaron in Tri-Cities. Did you play with Morasti? I played with Morasti in Tri-Cities. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So, yeah, obviously, Boogie, as, as the big man he was, and Morasti, um, <laughs> half the size, doing pretty damn well, if not getting the inside track and, you know, throwing uppers. And, um, but, again, that's just junior, obviously, the pro level with – you know, Scott Parker, Cummins, uh, Warrell, um, all these guys coming to camp, Chance, uh, it's, that was, that was a bloodbath that year. It was trying to, who makes the team and who's going to stay on to, to be the enforcer for, for the abs that year. So that I, I remember there, it's, uh, it was, um, pretty heated. Yeah. Who is the best player that you played with? Or against that never made the show. 
Oh, that's a tough question too. There's, uh, again, there's a lot of guys in Europe that have gone there simply because they're sick of going up and down. Uh, whether it's, again, you get a couple call-ups, HL, probably Darren Hadar is one that stands out. He was obviously put up a lot of good numbers in the A. Um, didn't play a lot in the show, but always a superstar. Um, great guy. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, it's, it's, everything's, everything's timing. So it's, uh, he, he didn't have the biggest size, but, uh, it's, uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's had a good career. Who was he drafted by? I believe he played at the start for Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. Had a lot of success, obviously with the Wolves. Yeah. Uh, I played with him for one year in uh, Lake Erie, Cleveland. Yeah. And then he went over to Europe and. Going to this year's NHL, who wins the Vesna? Ooh. Do I be biased and take friends, or do I? Hmm. Who's going to win the Vesna? I'm going to hold this against you. By the time we do our second part, we're going to be partway at least into the season. So you better... Uh, that's definitely getting brought up. I'm going to rewind this part right here in the next couple of seconds to hear this answer. Let's come back to that one. Okay. That's going to be the last question then? Let's come back to that one. Okay. Guys always say if they could be anything in professional sports, they'd be one of two positions, a bullpen catcher or a backup goalie. Because, in theory, what the fan thinks is you don't have to do much and you get paid for it. That's a, that's a bull-faced lie right there. The backup goalie is one of the h- hardest ones to do, and you get, again, you gotta, you got to be a great teammate. Um, a lot of people say, okay, that's natural. You've got to be a good guy. You're staying out always longer. You're taking shots. Uh, they're thinking, okay, there's not a lot of pressure. Yeah, you always got to stay ready. Uh, your job's really always in jeopardy because you always got to prove yourself because there's always the guy in the pecking order behind you, whether it's a young prospect. Um, and if you don't have a lot of games and they're just molding him in the minors, so that goes goes in. But it's, uh, yeah, not easy, even the, even the backup catcher. Again, you got to stay ready. You got to stay focused, just like a, a quarterback, but... Um, being there obviously you support those guys and um, it's it's a fun gig don't get me wrong um, you can you can joke in between periods and have the odd hot dog here and there I remember <laughs> I was in St. Louis the one year and guys I didn't even know what exists I was like oh you do that in the National Hockey League this is they're like oh yeah they don't take it as serious as you think son and he's like he's like these dogs are awesome Certainly, certain places around the league have better better dogs and better snacks than others. So he goes, he's like, whatever you do, don't get mustard or ketchup on the damn jersey. If you're going to do it, like, and sure enough, I got ketchup on the jersey. He's like, well, good thing it wasn't mustard because then we couldn't lie about it. So, yeah, that was in St. Louis the one time. But, <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, certain certain places have better foods than others. And, um and and you have fun. You're just again, 
you form the relationships with guys, you stay out longer, you work on your craft, but, um, and doing what they need as well as more than anything. Um, cause you want them to, f- to feel that when you're in there, that you're, they're blocking shots for you the same way, um, they would the number one guy and, and they're, they're happy f- to see you succeed. So, cause they know the type of person and player you are. Who has the best national anthem singer? Where have you gone where somebody's just blowing your socks off? And I'm going to give you a quick little shout-out while you think about this to Raymond Faltemeyer and Hillmont. Because if you ever come to Hillmont when Raymond Faltemeyer sings, it is somewhat impressive, downright impressive. He can do it in Russia. It is awesome. It's impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, nothing stands out because I, f- I feel like when you're playing, you're so concentrated of just get me through the damn anthem sort of thing. You're not even listening. Y- you are listening, but you're not taking it all in as you would a fan. Um, I remember being part of the, um, we have season tickets to the Oilers and uh, being a part of that game where the mic went out and we all sang the American National Anthem. And, and you see it on YouTube. You see it all over that. That's right. Everybody praises us for, for singing it. Um, and, and that sticks with you. But as a, as a player or, or when you're in the moment that way, I don't feel like you're... Clued into what's actually happening. Yeah, you're, you're more, you know, whether guys go side to side, whether they're um, doing their neck back and forth, whether they're shaking their hands, they're just, they're just ready to chomp at the bit. Whether the anthem's done or not, they're ready to skate around. And some see that as, you know, disrespectful. You don't stand for the whole anthem. It's it's not that at all. It just, again, depending on where they're from and their nationality, it's not a disrespect thing. It's just they are chomping at the bit because they are got the pep talk in between. They took their whatever, Red Bull or, or anything ready to go. And they're all amped up to to bang and crash, dump it in the corner and get to work. So what is the most random thing you've seen guys take in between periods before a game, etc.? I've seen guys, yeah, pump pseudofeds and uh, yeah, Fedrin to to Red Bulls to Coke to Coca Cola. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, just Whatever, whatever guys need, and it's crazy how much guys rely on that to to get going. Coffees, um, with different different things, yeah, power bars. It's yeah, it's yeah. just it's amazing how guys need that every time. And some guys have a routine or a superstition that they that they need it. But yeah, I didn't rely on that. I was more just trying to stay again hydrated. And then once kind of bio steel came into to it with you know the Gatorade and by trying to get those in every period and uh, get your electrolytes up and um, some some buildings are hot some buildings you don't even have to do anything and you're just leaking like Shaq at the foul line like it is just <laughs> it is hot <laughs> so it's um, yeah I feel like this could be a long question but I saw your basement I saw the goalie mass. I was enthralled. How often did you get a new goalie mass painted? Like, 
and I assume that equated to all your equipment too, or maybe you could just talk to both. Because in your basement you have, I think we count 11 masks. They were impressive. Everybody should see that. It was freaking cool. Yeah, it's just one of those, I, if there's a couple things that I'd like to keep always with my masks and my jerseys, um, played long enough where each year I tried to get a mask painted and most of the time that the teams would, would supply that and, uh, I'd design it with, uh, with my painter. Um, the few times that, that I didn't happen to get it done, whether it was, uh, through lack of payment in Europe or, um, just the team being very cheap. <laughs> It just didn't happen, but uh, yeah, it it it's. But once a year is what you is once what a year. You it's it, it's a chance to really, to really design something and then bring it into your own with whether it's a team concept, whether it's a little bit of your own. Um, Did you ever think of keeping a mask for a second year? Because like maybe you just had like a great year, like you had a phenomenal year, and you're like, yeah, maybe I should just wear that again. Yeah, but again, if you can get one every year. Um, you, you play a lot of games. You, you practice every day. Um, they get beat up. It, it gets pretty beat up. Uh, the, these days I know a lot. Some have two. Some have, again, the later part I had two sets of gear. So that, that evolved and it changed over time. Why did you have two time. sets of gear? You have a practice set. You have a game set. Um, it, it's, built, it's built different. You have a little more stiffer glove because it lasts longer from the amount of shots uh, that you're that you're taking in over the course of a practice and over the course of a season where the, the game is going to be more um, broken in and game ready. Was that not hard to like jump back and forth between not having the same equipment on all the time? No. Really? No. Because no. you see it, guys, you're like, okay, as a new set, um, well, I noticed that for guys at home and away gear. Some guys do that. Some guys have home and away helmets now. Um, and that's crazy. And whether you see, well, you see it at winter game, right? When yeah. they do outdoor game, yeah, they have those. So it's, everything's lighter. It, uh, it doesn't take as much to get broken into. Um, and depending where and it is. And they're probably getting custom made to them as well, right? That's right. Yeah. So everything almost feels the same, especially if you're getting new everything all the time. Yeah. They know there's measurements. They know their specs. They know their requirements for, for what they need and what they want and, and altering any changes that may be needed. Um, and it, it's part of it. It's, it's fun. That's what you look forward to. I remember you play street hockey at foam. We didn't even have like, you can go Canadian tire now and buy a, a set of road hockey pads where we were making them on a cardboard no shit. and coloring on them. And we thought that was a cat's meow. Like that was unbelievable. So Kids have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> no, right not now. at all. Eh? <laughs> Being a senior hockey guy, I gotta ask. But the next time we talk, we're gonna talk about it a little bit better. But what was winning the Allen Cup like on your career stage of winning things? What is winning the oldest trophy in hockey? It, it was just going out on top. Like it was, I hadn't played in a year and a half since I, since I stopped playing and then, and due to, due to work commitments, due to family commitments, um, 
and and following it every year knowing who the top teams were and and it was no no joke that you know it was always Lacombe or Bentley that was right there uh, right there competing and and friends and 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 close teammates that I played with in the past were always like are you done playing or you want to come play with us you want to so um I'd be lying if I said I didn't want still want to play and I didn't have a passion to play like like even pro but um work has taken over and then you have to start somewhere after 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 hockey and um I've given it you know 100% devotion and and commitment for that so um I just I just think anything I do now or commit to I, I want to commit 100% and, and not be half in and half out so Damn. I thought if if I do commit that well the only way I'm gonna if I'm gonna win a championship so there's it's and that. then you get the Allen Cup it's it's that or bust that's the only reason you play um and yeah no I was I I talked to pretty much all the teams in Alberta and and it was really an easy decision knowing they were hosting and uh and they've always been one of the the tier if not the the Yankees of senior hockey of of all of Canada so um it was is really an easy call and I was just a piece of the puzzle for for what was needed and um it was it was fun it was it was good to to get back out there uh different adjustments to start um going back to the smaller ice surface going to a straight bar cage which is as weird as that sounds it's it's a big adjustment it's a bit of an adjustment yeah yeah it's like you go into a, a no, well no like open to, open or a visor and go into a cage that's right so it's, it doesn't sound like that big of a deal but i know how much it would piss me off yeah and at least for the first little bit so again it's a it's a liability thing it's a safety yeah, issue that's right. um you're back with the minions i would happy to be signing a waiver <laughs> in case that if something would happen that nobody would be liable and it would be my full responsibility now again hockey canada hockey alberta that w- yeah. would just not happen so um yeah it was it was everything i thought and actually more they did a phenomenal job hosting um the guys were welcoming they run it as a first class organization uh we had uh yeah great support and um everything worked out uh the way we planned yeah if you had a time machine i could take it anywhere to any point in time to any event in time where would you take it geez that's deep Any event. Correct. Any place. Mm-hmm. You don't have to stay there for all the time. Stay for as long as you want. I'd, I'd go back to Europe with, with my family. So that, that, I, was keep, that I was keep playing with my family. There In Germany. This. Germany? In, in Germany or in Europe, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. There again, it was this is this is another episode, but uh it's it's very simple. Um and when you're with family, you in, you appreciate the f- the simpler things over there of what you really need. Yeah. Here 
Um, obviously, you got to drive everywhere. Um, living in, in, in Alberta now, I f- it feels like we, we need so much. We're there. It, again, it's so simple. You go to the grocery store, again, once a day. You don't need a lot to live. Everybody's kind of on that, that same level. Um, it's it's not what you have or keeping up with the Joneses or, or going on trips. or It's just very down-to-earth um easy type of living yeah don't get me wrong we could, you could do that here but it's just not the same um as as in europe if you could party with one celebrity wait before i say this pheasant a question is coming up last so that is the question after this so i, I need you to figure out the vesna okay but in the meantime if you could party with one celebrity who would it be <laughs> Tiger. Tiger Woods. Are, we're talking partying or just Party. being with him. I, I love golf, so I say that, and you might say, "Okay, Tiger now or Tiger before." <laughs> <laughs> so you caught my. <laughs> And yeah, I, you know, I love I love golf just as much as I do hockey and and baseball. So, um, just being able to to go out and um, and have a good time and and you know have a drink with him. But I, I, that's again, that's a tough question because I don't see myself as a need to and infatuated with any celebrities. No, no, no. It's, I guess I look at And it's at funny it. saying that because not that I say I'm very fortunate. I'm, I'm lucky to experience what I've experienced yep. in my life and, and seen the things and, and, and lived in some of those places to see how real it actually is um, and who, you know, when you're at the top, who your friends are and who you're not. But... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, think. I guess I always I always think of the question as, in my brain, I said, who you want to party with as a celebrity? But I mean it more as like, obviously, celebrity just universal. If you said, oh, uh, I'd like to go party with Bill Travis from down the street, nobody's going to recognize that. So I go, who is universally known celebrities that you think would be just a blast to go hang out with one night. So I always go party because that's, you know, I'm just going to go hang out. Well, maybe you go hang out and play a video game. I don't really care, but I guess I put it as party. So, like, who would be a blast to absolutely go sit and just have a good time with? And so if that's Tiger, that's totally cool. I mean, the guy is, he's been through some shit. I, th- I think he'd be more, more of, like, him. just for the day, yeah. just to go shoot the shit, play around with him. Yeah. Uh, again, the party that's yeah that's a loaded question that's uh it's tough is it just me and him or is there a crew of us i don't know, <laughs> I don't know. what would you like it to be where where are we where are we going nashville you're in nashville Ooh. yeah all right i'm setting the stage nashville folks that's where we are this weekend we're going to nashville Love. got all got all weekend money is not a problem we're all single. How's that? We're all single. I love country music, so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Again, little uh, 
Yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. You, you got me stumped. I always, always laugh at these questions. I'm not trying to make it this like. No, you got me stumped. Yeah. Well, is, Luke Bryan, like I, again, it's, I like a lot of country stars. So um, that would be cool. I think a lot of guys would, would say too that, yeah, being on, if you could do another profession to be like a rock star or to be on stage to, to perform, I can play a little bit of guitar. I wouldn't say I'm good whatsoever, which is hardly nothing, but I think it'd be pretty cool to, to be on concert and, and to, that'd be to rock one with a, with a star, whether it's at an award show, whether it's, um, at an, again, an event in Nashville, I think that'd be pretty cool. That'd be, that'd be a lifestyle. I think that'd be, you talk about, uh, different things that you don't think about. I bet you it'd be a lot about a rock star that you have no idea what they go through in a day. It'd be, I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously it's glamorous and everything, but there'd be some things in there. And you're like, Oh, that doesn't sound that fun. Yeah. Okay. Final question. All right. I've given you an extra 10 minutes now. Who is going to win the business this year? I think it's going to be between Veseleski and, uh, and Bishop. Those are two. Ben Bishop. Those are two teams that are, that are set up to have success. Dallas stars, Ben Bishop. Yeah. If that he, surprised me. If he can stay healthy with that lineup and, and that supporting, yeah, they can, uh, they can do some damage. So, but then again, I think it's Veseleski's to, uh, to lose, to lose. The, He's got the team in front of him. With, with how they, how they structured things. And, uh, the guys that are signing for uh, almost a league minimum, um, to be supporting causes um, on that squad, and and it's uh, they're going to be tough to beat. It's it's cup or nothing, I would say for uh, for Tampa this year. Yeah. Final one. I'll add one more in. At this point in time, when this episode comes out, we will be almost ten games into the Oilers season. What is the Oilers' record? What are they doing in the first ten games? And Pointed out, they have four home games, six away. They play Vancouver, L.A., New York, New York, both New Yorks, New Jersey, Chicago, Detroit, Minnesota, I'm doing this all off memory. Okay, I, wrote just, the qu- I, wrote- I, have, I haven't looked at the schedule, but just by you naming those teams... And depending, obviously, if they're home away, it'd be, they should be, I'll say they'll probably six and four. Six and four, you heard it here for her, heard it here first, folks. I'm going to hold you to that one, too. Okay. Six and four. I hope so. This guy right here, hope so. I Connor hope so McDavid too. better have 10 goals in 10 games. Let's not rush him back. He's He's got to take his time. So it's, Is it's, he back first game? It's a long season. You don't think he's back for his it's, game? It's a long season. There's no reason to rush him back. Um, it's it's. I tell you what, it's people a marathon. Are gonna be, it's not a sprint. They, they either be going to be laughing at us at this point because McDavid will be back game one, or he still won't be back and everybody will be freaking out. There's, and we'll have said it here first. There's no reason to freak out. It's a long year. What are, what, what are you going to benefit if he comes back for game one? Why? Because us season ticket holders want him to see. Obviously, no, wanna, we do. I want to win game one. Yeah, we do, but that's not going to help. And then is one is that going to help us get in the playoffs? It Possibly. M- it might. If we miss by one game, it will. It might, but is that going to? Are you going to do that to jeopardize health? Not a chance. Maybe. 
<laughs> Look at me kidding. talking like a GM. <laughs> well, thank you for coming on. This has been a blast. Well, thanks and for having I me. I hope you enjoyed it. Absolutely. Well, we'll get you on for part two here soon enough. Okay, we'll dig deeper. That's right. <laughs> thanks. Hey guys, hope you enjoyed Tyler Wyman. Had a blast hanging out with him and hearing, you know, the first part of his journey. Look forward to having him on for part two, which uh, hopefully will happen soon enough. But uh, next week is Ross Thompson. He's a local uh, 60-year-old who just finished completing his 13th Ironman and uh, just finished another 100-kilometer race and is doing just crazy things that my brain has a hard time comprehending. So here's a quick little clip from that, uh, and we'll see you next week. All right, see you then. This type of strenuous activity, it's not like you're going to the gym once a day and just lifting weights it's not like you're going to noon hour hockey and just playing hockey and that's you know your social outing this is pretty like life altering right it's uh it's a big time commitment well what's what's maybe something that you look back and that's a big lesson you've learned or it's taught you about yourself or i think i think the biggest lesson is is uh you know is is you know, I keep telling people, you, you know, you need a goal, right? Once you figure out what your goal is, then you need a, a plan, and then you need to execute that plan. And the biggest thing is is being able to find a plan that works for you, a training schedule that works for you. And what I do works for me. Um, I've got a lot of other people that I train with that, you know, we all train together, but not necessarily six days a week. There's, you know, some people will show up, you know, two or three days a week, uh, others once at once a week, that type of thing. But the biggest thing is, 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 you know, get a goal and, you know, make it something you really want to accomplish. And uh, once you do that, you know, find a plan and then execute it. And, uh, you know, there's no shortcuts in, in this um, training. I mean, I've, I've trained with a lot of people that shortcut things. And they don't have a lot of fun. And I know in my questionnaire, they're one of the things that, you know, when it comes to the end of a race, you got two options. You either go to the massage tent, have a beer, meet your family, or you go to the medical tent. And every time you go by that medical tent, those people in those medical tents, they're not having any fun. You know, they're having IVs, they're, um, you know, they're just not having any fun. And my preference is to go the other way. You know, to go and have a nice massage. Have, have-